Hello there and welcome to Happy Place, the show that gets under the skin of some truly inspirational people and see what helps them unwind, refresh and just stay in a good place really. I'm Fern Cotton and today we travel back to Manchester for the second chat we recorded at the Happy Place Festival last month. And this week it's with the founding leader of the Women's Equality Party, a brilliant mate of mine and all-round good egg, Sophie Walker. I think once you tune into your anger and, and channel it, it tells you a lot. It is communicating stuff to you and you have to listen. Now, if you've never heard of Sophie before, this is a great place to start. Get ready. She is incredible. In 2018, Vogue named her a new suffragette for her work promoting a modern and what she calls hopeful feminism. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. And now it's showtime. Sophie. Hello. Sophie, meet the crowd. The crowd. Wow. Sophie. Hello. So, um, Sophie, I met you a little while ago now. Yes. When So basically, randomly, we were put together to do an interview for some initiative that was happening. And, um, and I got to sit and, and quiz you about lots of different things. And instantly, I was like, who is this amazing human? <laughs> Everything you said made me kind of... Really sit up and listen and think about things differently. And I've been creepily following what you've been doing ever since. Uh, Well, likewise. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So at the time, you were leader of the Women's Equality Party. I was, yes. And you were there since the conception of that party. How on earth do you start a new political party (laughs) with a manifesto and get it off the ground? Uh, By having absolutely no idea... Uh, the size of the task that you have set yourself, basically. Um, so I, um, I, I never intended to do politics. Right? My parents... I grew up in Glasgow in the 70s, and my mum and dad were very um, active. We went on a lot of marches. They were sort of northern working class. Uh, like, if there's something that's wrong, you stand up and you shout about it. And I... Um, I did so many marches. We marched for CND, we marched for the miners' strike, we, marched, we raised money for the miners' wives. It was, by the end of it, I was like, okay, if, if politics is all that marching, I'm, I don't really want to do politics. <laughs> so I became, um, I became a journalist. I thought, I'm interested in the world and I'm interested in telling stories. And, uh, and it was a really interesting process being a journalist. I was in a very, very male environment... Um, I, it was there was a lot of testosterone 
I was covering politics and I was covering trade and I was covering the economy and stock markets and basically everything seemed to revolve around, everybody's motivation seemed to revolve around either fear or greed. <laughs> and it felt, it, it, I felt, spent a lot of the time feeling really intimidated actually. And, 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 you know, I'm sure there's a lot of people in this room who are familiar with imposter syndrome, right? Yeah. I spent 20 years at work feeling like I was going to be found out. And it was exhausting. And then I had a, a, a child, and, and that was the point where, as a woman, I really understood that everything that we've been told is a lie. Um, I mean, I don't think it has to be uh, having children that radicalises women, but I think for a lot of us it really does. And I would be, you know, sort of struggling to, to, to balance work and, and home. And, and then my daughter was diagnosed with autism, which was a a long and really painful process and at that point I was like a single mum, I was trying to pay the rent I was trying to get my daughter the support she needed I was surrounded by all these sort of men at work who were like yeah like, I've got 20 kids, what's the problem? <laughs> and I, easy, like, so yeah. easy and I'd have these sort of to-do lists in biro yeah. up both arms <laughs> like by the time I got to work and I was exhausted and I was stressed and I just thought you know what this is this is rubbish and it's not true and it's not fair. And I became really motivated to become an activist. To, to I understood finally that nobody was coming to the rescue, actually, mm. um, and it was on me. And so, you know, when I heard that the women, there was a new political party um, coming into being, I was really excited by that because I thought, I'm, I'm really tired of all the other political parties expecting me to vote for them and wait in line. Yeah. Right? Like, feminism and women's equality is something that we give out in little bits around election time. You know, uh, uh, and, and have you ever heard, like, whenever politicians talk about women's equality, it's like this really hard thing. Mm. Right? Like, it's like the, they all start sort of stroking their chins. And mm, mm. <laughs> It's going to take at least 100 years. Yeah, more. <laughs> Another hundred yeah, years. I think like, we're going to have to run some more focus groups. <laughs> God. And I just thought, you know, uh, like, save my um, unfeminist language, but I just thought it was bollocks. Yeah. And I was really tired of, um, you know, because these same people were like, you know, we'll get back to you when we sorted out Brexit. <laughs> Uh, which is a feminist issue, but we'll come to that later on. Mm. So I just thought, right, so this thing was happening, and I said, yes, I'm in. What can I do? And I thought I thought I was going to be putting out chairs. Oh, no. They had greater plans for you, Sophie. <laughs> well, it was, I mean, so I went along to the first meeting, and, uh, and one of the co-founders, Catherine Mayer, said to me, why don't you come and talk? And I said, like, I don't, like, about what? And she said, well, come and talk about care, childcare. And I... And I said, like, and this this was like a running joke because, as many of you who are like who, people who know me know that, like, I have a pub rant about childcare. I don't really do a talk about childcare. I sort of like steam comes out of my ears. And I um, so we went along and we did this thing, and I talked about childcare. And um, and and actually, suddenly I realised I'd found my people. I was in a room full of other predominantly women going yes yeah like care really matters yeah. like we rely on women to do it for free or badly paid uh we don't give them a choice we tell them that it's you know it's our it's our inner nature as women to be caring mm. so like you know and none of us you know the rest of us don't and when i say us i mean the predominantly male 
decision makers. Mm. They're like, yeah, but l- 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 ladies, you're so good at caring. Mm. So why don't you just go and do it for free? Mm. And then we'll get on with sorting out whatever yeah. the more important Not things are. Not sorting out stuff. Yeah. Do you think because we hear uh, the word feminism being batted around so much more than, say, 50 years ago, yeah. that culturally we sort of have been uh, forced to believe that it's getting better. There's less disparity. We now live in some sort of egalitarian society, whereas, of course, we don't. Mm. And there are lots of hidden ways that um, women get pushed to the sidelines that yes. we might not even be aware of. Can you talk us through some of the more obvious ways that it massively affects everybody yeah. in society, men and women, and yeah. also the sort of the ways that are slightly more hidden and covered up so that we don't notice? Sure. Well, I mean, so first of all, I think like, the way that we talk about feminism is really interesting because, you know, there's been a concerted effort for decades to, to convey feminism as something stupid and done mainly by slightly mad women, sort of slightly swivel-eyed and hairy. And, uh, and, and, and it was deliberate. It was a very deliberate thing like if we can rebrand this as something that no reasonable person is going to want to do or be part of then that's half of the problem solved and we we just we won't have to deal with this rising movement of women demanding equality Mm. i found it really heartening in recent years that there's been this big i think revival of of activism uh broadly but feminist activism particularly and i think that's been massively helped by donald trump i'd just like to say big thank you yeah to donald trump he recruits he's, your fans yeah he's our he for the women's equality party um and indeed for many many women's organizations i'm now at the young women's trust he is our number one uh, recruitment agency yeah. so thanks for that donald. keep being an asshole yes and things are good yes so he demonstrated that um sexism and misogyny and that sort of hate the power of dividing people and setting them at odds with Mm. each other and making them frightened and hateful um, is the number one gambit of of politicians who haven't got any new ideas Mm. Um, and I think in that context feminism was able to be understood as something that was really necessary and actually very straightforward that it's just about equality And, and, and the other thing and I love that you've brought this up is because it's it's always introduced as, but haven't you got enough equality? Mm. Um, you know, for, who really needs feminism? Like, look at you all. I mean, you're all fine. Mm. Um, and, I, and I think that this is, is again, it's a deflection tactic. Uh, we are not fine. Um, two-thirds of Britain's poorest people are women. Yeah. You know, uh, women are, 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 are earning less. They have smaller pensions. They are more likely to be not in work. There is an epidemic of violence against women and girls. Like, women are not doing okay. And, um, and, that, and that's from, you know, every possible uh, measure. So when you look at representation, for example, when you look at parliament, uh, men outnumber women by two to one. When you look at local government, men outnumber women by two to one. When you look at, <laughs> when you look at the FTSE 100... Um, there are, um, I think there are six, six CEOs now who are women in the FTSE 100, which means that female CEOs in the FTSE are uh, not only outnumbered by men, they are outnumbered by men called Dave. Oh, no, Steve. Steve. Steve oh, or Dave, Steve. I can't remember. Well, one of those. But isn't it funny, because even when we talk about it, and this has become a subconscious thing for many of us, if we talk about 
say even a film director, mm. if it's a female, we'll go, a female director. Yes. Well, you'd never say a male director. Yes. It's kind of like seen as, oh, isn't that good that we've got a female in there? Well, it's and become think... abnormal, so it, then we sort of overly celebrate it. Well, I think... And, 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 and this is something that you know, is a key part of representation, is that we are operating from, in, in business and in politics and in arts and culture and in society on the basis that the, the default template is male. Mm. It's the male experience, uh, that women are, are sort of not men. And, and, that, and that is why we have to sort of specify that so-and-so is a woman. And, and the really dangerous part of that is that decision-making is being made by a small group of people who all look and sound alike, and yeah. it is predominantly white men, straight, white, straight, uh, middle-class, uh, non-disabled Steve's. Steve's. Yeah. Uh, sorry if there's anybody in here called Steve. We love you if you're called we Steve. Do, here, if, you're here, if you're here and you're called you're Steve... Great. We really love you. Thank we you do. for coming. Um, yeah. But it's but it's but it's a serious problem because what is happening is that decisions are being made about women's lives by men who don't understand that women's lives are different and that the female experience is different and that we are operating within structures that tell us from birth that we are because that we are not men mm. that we are second class that we are you know I'm now chief executive for the Young Women's Trust. Yes. Absolutely brilliant organisation. And what we do is that we uh, campaign for economic justice for young women Mm. because young women in this country are being pushed through an education system that says you're not as good as men, you're not as good as boys. Because you don't have a penis, you can't do science. Uh, you know, you are uh, you are ladies, and you are again, you're 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 pink, and you're sparkly, and you. Uh, there's nothing wrong with sparkly, and there's lots of sparkly people in here today. But that sort of, you know, you can you can you, you'll do arts, and you'll do caring work, and clerical work, and the soft stuff, mm. and the men will are are leaders. And and I and I know it sounds simplistic, but it is still absolutely entrenched in our education system of this thing called occupational segregation, which is funneling girls and boys out into different jobs and funneling boys into jobs that we care about more and that we value more and that we pay better is massive. And as a result, we have, uh, we have a real issue in this, in this country. We have like, more than a million girls between the ages of young women between the ages of 18 and 30 are in no pay or on no pay or in low paid work more than a million of them are being paid less than their male colleagues for same or similar yeah. work more than 800,000 of them are experiencing sexual harassment at work and are too frightened to say anything about it it is a huge problem mm-hmm. um, but I, you know i'm i'm about the i'm about the optimism right i mean i i, I went through a horrific time um, you know, trying to work out what I needed for me and my and my daughter, and the and the thing that I've learned from that is um, there is nothing lonelier than waiting for somebody else to ride to the rescue. Yeah. And that collective action, finding your people, finding your sisters, yes, is 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 just the best thing in the world, and it is also the most effective thing in the world. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. 
So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Well, that's what I am desperate to get onto now because you stepped down as leader of the, of the party because yes. you feel so passionately about activism. That is something that we haven't covered on this podcast at all. I don't necessarily hear it getting chatted about as a subject that much. We hear about what the activism is, but actually just activism as something that any of us in this, in this tent could do. Um, and it's probably something that not a lot of us have thought about. And I'm sure that everybody here today classes themselves as a caring, passionate person who likes other people and wants to be helpful. But I don't think many of us would think that we could do activism. It feels like something that other yeah. people might do. Yeah. Yeah. Why is that? How And how are you trying to reframe it and get people to know they can be part of something? Yeah. Well, I mean, so first of all, I stood down for the Women's Equality Party because for me, the power of leadership is about giving that power to other people. It's about passing the mic. It's about making sure that different voices, different perspectives uh, can, can be heard. I don't think many people do that in politics, Sophie, do they normally? Well, I really didn't You're want to be... Breed. I didn't want to be the Nigel Farage of the Women's Equality <laughs> Party. Thank God. Uh, because, like, that is... That's, like, um, that, that's about ego, not system change. Yes. And I'm about system change. Yes. Um, and so now the Women's Equality Party is being led by the fantastic Mandu Reid. It is the only party being led by a black woman. Um, and uh, she's brilliant. Look her up, follow her, she's fab. Um, to come back to the activism stuff, what I wanted to do was to explore sustainable activism. Because, you know, being a pu- becoming a public figure, as, as you know better than anybody... It's quite a, can often be quite a bruising experience. Yeah. Like you're really put out there. Um, becoming an activist and being political means talking a lot about the... It often comes from the personal stuff, like the stuff that has propelled you into wanting to change something, either for yourself or for people you love or for people you know. Um, and, and we live in an environment where the, 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 the public debate has never been more aggressive. It has never been more combative Mm. Um, and 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 many of the social media platforms that were set up ostensibly to facilitate discussion have actually I think very cynically been about packaging us all as individuals in order to sell stuff to us so all this stuff about you know go on you know let's start a conversation let's you know let's let's open up the world to everybody I'm not convinced that's what's happening I think Mm. we're being compartmentalized and and packaged into uh, more and more extreme versions of ourselves and then set in this gladiatorial arena to just like slug it out and Mm. and that I you know that doesn't achieve anything and so um and I I felt very um there were some wonderful, wonderful high points. Would be being, I've been an activist now for 10 years, but there's been some real low points, and there's been some points where I have, I have really despaired at the scale of the job. You know, when you look at this, the, the scale of the inequalities in the world, like 1% of the world's population hold half the world's mm-hmm. wealth, right? We know, again and again, surveys show us how disappointed people are in politicians. We had one from Young Women's Trust just this week showing that two-thirds of young women between 18 and 30 have given up on politicians. They've just, like, their confidence has plummeted. Um, So, uh, yeah, so I've been writing this book, which is about how we can be activists sustainably. 
And, and it's a bit of a sort of philosophical journey. If I'm honest, it's the book I sort of wish I could have read. Yeah. Because you're right, activism, you know, some, interviewing people for it was really interesting. I had some people say, well, you know, I would never call myself an activist. Uh, you know, to, to me, an activist is, um, uh, you know, those amazing lesbian women who abseiled down the side of the House of Parliament to protest against, you know, Section uh, uh, 28. That, that, people have ideas mm. of an activist as somebody who sort of climbs aboard a, uh, an oil tanker on the behalf of, of Greenpeace. And mm. it's, it's this, like, huge thing. Um, and I, uh, I mean, you know, if that's what you want to do, that's great. Yeah. Um, but actually, activism is, 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 for me, is having a big visionary idea of how you want the world to be and acting day to day in sustainable, manageable ways to make it happen. Because I'm sure everybody here will have a cause, like you say, that is from a personal situation, something that they've experienced firsthand or within their family or community, and they feel like... They would like to strike out. They would like to see change. Yes. They would like to be part of something. But like you've touched on a few times, a lot of the times these problems seem too big. And yeah. we think, well, what could I do? If yes. I do something every day, well, that's not going to do anything. You know, even when we vote now, we don't feel like that's even yes. doing anything to create change. So yes. how can we rely on the sort of model of activism to do something and to create good change? Well, the first thing the first thing you have to do is defeat despair. Uh, you know, the powers that be are relying on you to feel that it's all too much. Mm. They are relying on you to feel, what can I do? Yeah. Um, because that way, their actions go unchallenged. So the very, very first thing you have to do is say, I am not going to, I am not going to let this sense of despair gets me in it and, and one of my favourite quotes on this is George Eliot who talked about uh, like, who said often what we, what we call our despair is, is actually um, uh, is actually hope it's the disappointment of unfulfilled hope well that's, that's amazing so if you're feeling despair that's actually something to be encouraged by because yeah. it means that you, are, you want something better and you have to hang on to that bit because that will get, start to get you out of it. Because what are the repercussions of us not doing something? Well, precisely. Nothing. Or I mean, just you know, nothing. all of the huge corporations, CEOs, whatever, carrying on doing whatever they want to do that's perhaps destructing what we are passionate about, love and care about. Exactly. But I, th but I also think that, you know, it's a very, it's a very common reaction to feel, to, to feel despair and to just think, I'm just going to get my head down yeah. and get through this. Mm. Um, but, you know, the people who are on the other side of this, they're not going to rest. You know, they're busy while you're doing nothing. They're yeah. really busy. Mm. So the first thing you have to do is you have to defeat your despair. The second thing you have to do, and because when you, when you decide to re-engage with the world and start to look at some of the stuff that's been bothering you, you will start to feel really angry. So angry. Really, really I'm quite angry. an angry person. Like, you might not assume that, but I've got a lot of anger in me. Well, I've got loads of it. Well, that's good. No, it is it's, good. It's a really, the other thing is that as women, we are often told that we shouldn't be angry. And particularly if you're a feminist, right? It's the classic stereotype. Ooh, you're a bit, a bit angry, aren't you? Yeah, um, I bloody am. And, <laughs> and that, but that's great because I think once you tune into your anger and, you, and channel it, 
it tells you a lot. Mm. It is communicating stuff to you, and you have to listen. And, and if the people around you don't like it, then you, what you can understand from that is that you, it's working. So it's anger working. doesn't have to be aggression. Anger no. is passion. It's yeah. how you channel it, as you're yes, saying. Exactly. It's not like you standing there giving abuse to the people you don't agree with. It's yes. you working out practical change yes. and channeling that... Yes can be a really tough emotion anger but channeling it to do some good yeah and you're absolutely right it can be really hard because it will for it will force you to go back to the stuff that's been bothering you that you've been trying not to look at and some of that stuff it can be very difficult Mm. and it can be upsetting um and you may need some help to come to terms with what's happened to you in some circumstances but it's absolutely about reconnecting yourself to yeah. to that to that feeling and that whatever it is that allows you to come out of it and through it, and that eventually allows you to become hopeful. Yes. Uh, and then it, so the next bit is hope. I mean, hope. Mm. I I love talking about hope because um, it is the one thing that nobody can ever take away from you. Yeah. And I um, there's this. Um, wonderful writer called Rebecca Solnit who wrote a book called Hope in the Dark which you can order when you're buying mine there you go um, uh, these lovely things the full name of the book which is Five Rules for Rebellion let's change the world ourselves yes thank you um so, so also, Rebecca Solnit wrote this great book called Hope in the Dark, and she talks about hope uh, in the most wonderful terms. She says, hope is not a lottery ticket that you sit on the sofa clutching. It is an axe that you use to break down the door in case of emergency. And I absolutely love that. And I think that I have always found that being optimistic is not only... I mean, it's something you have to work out, right? Hope, re- hope requires that you get out of bed every morning and you reset your determination to be hopeful. It is work, and it's hard work. But when you are armed with hope, nobody can take that away from you. And also, it's really intimidating. Yeah. <laughs> like, you know, when I say I'm a feminist, you get the sort of, oh, feminist. Um, and when you say I'm an optimistic feminist, they're like, oh, shit. <laughs> so, hope... Okay, two things to say on that. First, it's really nice to hear of hope talked about, and not always, and not in a religious sense. Because I think, in a sort of archaic way, we always think you have to be religious to have mm. faith or hope. But you're yeah. saying it's a discipline. Yeah. It's to motivate you to get out of bed and to think of the best possible outcome, yeah. which then gives you the impetus to to go in that direction. Yeah. Um, and the second thing, just a side thought from what you just said, why do we still sometimes people have that reaction of, or if someone goes, are you a feminist? People go, oh, I, I, I don't know, I, I think I am. And it's just quite simple. It's like, do you want women to be equal to men? Yeah. Why are we so scared of saying it still? Well, I, I, as I said, I, I think increasingly women aren't, and I find huge joy from that, uh, because I think calling yourself a feminist is about taking up space. And the more of us that take up space, the more we get done. Because, because the other, the next key point of this is about collaboration. It is about compassion for each other and collaboration. Because essentially, what activism is, is trust and love. It is trust that you can change the world. And it is love for all of your sisters who are doing it with you. Yeah. because So um, Sophie very kindly interviewed me for her new book. And at first I had the reaction, like you've said many other contributors have, like, I don't think I'm an activist. Do I do activism? And then when we sat down to talk, I thought, oh, 
maybe I am sort of doing that. Mm. And again, mine was from personal experience, having a really crappy time and feeling very desperate and like I didn't fit into anything that I was currently in. Mm. And getting on to collaboration and a a collective of people that um, also have the same vision and hope um, I've sort of done that by accident but look we're all sat here now you know we are this collective and we are a gang that want to talk about well-being and mental health and things that we're passionate about and to be communicative and open and uh, I feel really lucky that I sort of stumbled into that because I very fortunately had an audience that sort of knew what I was doing and I've managed to bring some of them over to go let's look over here instead of over here but if you are starting from the ground up with a passion with a cause and with hope how do you begin to create that gang and that movement where you do feel more powerful in numbers well this is where you I mean you have you have to find your people right I think uh and and it's interesting I think activism has become a bit trendy and and I think that that increasingly people like to call themselves an activist but I think that you, that activism is not something you can do on your on your own. I think you have to be prepared to collaborate, and that means you have to be prepared to be comfortable with being uncomfortable. Mm. I've seen so many really brilliant ideas fail to happen because the person who had it couldn't bring themselves to share it or hold it up to the light to be looked at by other people. And it's a really uncomfortable thing to do because other people have got different opinions. How do you get brave with that one? How do you get the courage practice, to do that? Practice. I mean, you know, practice. It's, it's, it, it's hard. And I speak as someone who has been through that. I'm sure. I've been, you know, I've been through that sort of, I don't really want to talk to anybody about this because then they'll tell me it's a bit rubbish. And yeah. part of that is the confidence thing. We are, you know, as women, we are told by society that we're, you know, of less worth and of less value. And, and there is a massive crisis in confidence among mm. women. That is, that, 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 that is, I think, something that, is structural that we that we have to really look at and, and, and start to understand the roots of it. Mm. But I think compassionate collaboration is is vital, and I think um, that the your idea. I get through it by telling myself my idea gets better the more people comment on it, not worse. It gets it's like shining a diamond. Mm. You know, the the more the more people that can. Uh, push it this way or that or shine it up this way or that mm. uh, by adding their perspectives and their thoughts and their contributions the bigger and better this thing gets I love and, that. and that is and it's hard you know as I said you know the personal is political and 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 to disagree with people on 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 matters that that really matter to you can f- can be painful you know and and, and, I, and I you know I'm very conscious that particularly in the women's movement that you know it, at the time at which you want to be all pulling together, quite often there are internal splits and rows, and that and that is that is really difficult. But you know, activism is not therapy. Like we should all be doing therapy. I'm a big, <laughs> I'm a big advocate of therapy. Mm-hmm, same. But, but but activism is not therapy. Activism requires robust and respectful debate, so that we can embrace and acknowledge our difference, and then also find our common ground. Because it's from that that we all find our communal strength mm, and we often um, if we don't agree with another group of people we won't even look to find that common ground we just go for the jugular of yeah. what are the differences and how can we beat them um, I guess there's layers of confidence that are needed because 
like you said, you've got that initial moment of having an idea and feeling courageous enough to say, this is my idea, will you join me? Yeah. But then there's that bit about you're, you're in the thick of it, you're out there, you're talking to people, you are perhaps rubbing other people up the wrong way and getting a negative reaction. How do you personally sit in that discomfort of knowing that other people are saying, I don't agree with you and I never, ever will? How do you remain hopeful and also just sit in that because it is a personal discomfort for yeah. me to deal with that. For me, the key thing that I look for is whether that other person is engaging in good faith. Right. Right. If they're not engaging in good faith, uh, I'm not. In, you know, I'm out. It's a total waste of my passion and my energy and my love. Yeah. I mean, you know, I do this. I do this out of a sense of love for other people. I'm. I'm hugely inspired and guided by by particularly other women mm. I, I find that the energy and the creativity of women is an endless source of hope mm. and joy for me um, and I uh, and that's what I want to hang on to so you know if I you know I mean if I tweet stuff and like Twitter's a cesspit but yeah. um, it's also the kind of place where you can connect with people even if it's very difficult to have a conversation because like everybody's watching and there's loads of people just want to kill it yeah so um uh, i you know I, I i don't i've stopped trying to engage with people on the grounds that i might eventually persuade them if it's becoming if it's clear to me that it's a waste of my energy but then there will be people who do want to you know they are going to ask you difficult questions and they they are going to want to but but i think you you the more you do it the better you get a sense of who's Who's actually in this to to come with me mm. and needs and, and wants a bit of persuading? Who can I learn from? You know, I'm, I don't go into these engagements with a sense of I'm going to sort of beat them over the head yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> until they agree. It's like oh, you know, what can I what can I mm. learn here too? I love um, even with the title of your book that you're sort of reframing the word rebel because we see the word rebel as being synonymous with someone who's done something bad someone who's um, rebelling against a perfectly fine system and they're a bit scary whereas you're using rebellion in a very positive way what does it mean to you um uh, yeah how much longer have we got um, we can fit it in. I think. <laughs> we can do that in 13 minutes. Um, I, rebellion to me means freedom. It's freedom. And it's freedom particularly for women and girls. Mm. Um, it's freedom from... Uh, I, I mean, it's freedom from all of it. All of it. It's freedom from being told to cheer up because your face isn't like... Placatory I at all times. That's one. <laughs> you know, um, if someone says to me, "Smile, love." I can literally feel my toes gripping <laughs> to the soles of yeah. my shoes. It is. Yeah. I can't bear it. Yeah, exactly. It's, the pit. it's 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 you know it's freedom from fear. Yeah. I mean, and you know, this is a big big thing, right? Like we as women, we curtail our behaviour out of fear in hundreds of ways every day that we might not actually be aware of mm. whether it's what we wear or whether it's how we move or the areas in, w- in which we move mm. how we talk um, the words we use yeah language is very powerful with this one isn't it yeah very it really powerful is. it really is um, do you think there's probably quite a lot of people sat here right now who are already partaking in activism but they haven't actually realised it yes 
Undoubtedly. Mm, that's a good well thought. Well done. That's a really good thought. And I'm wondering, sort of looking out to the crowd now, after listening to Sophie so brilliantly talk about this, who's feeling even more ramped up to go down a road they might have already been tinkering with in their heads. Yeah? Sing oh, some come on, up. few more. Yeah. Excellent. It's exciting. It's an exciting thought, isn't it? Because that's what... I've been lucky enough to have a sneaky read of Sophie's book. And I... And it is that fire in your belly. And that's exciting. That, to me, is always when I feel most alive. When I've got fire and passion in my belly. And I do feel ready for other people's comments if they don't agree. And I feel ready to bring more people on board and to feel like part of something. That's yeah. exciting. Yeah. Rather than being... Because, you know, one of the things that is exasperating... Uh, loneliness or feeling very individual is of course uh, our phones and social media and how that is culturally presented to us but we can use that to be part of something and that is so wonderful rather than they're doing this and I'm not they look like that and I don't or whatever this is like being part of something which is bigger than all that crap yeah I'm so so glad that you brought that up because like that what I really, really wanted to say, as on top of all the other stuff I really wanted to say, <laughs> was that it, persevering is about keeping your eyes on the prize and not being, not allowing yourself to be sucked in by all of those messages yeah. that the thing you need to fix first is yourself. And I think that is, it's, it's so in our faces with, with everything. If you consider... If you consider what our experience is as, 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 as women, right? So we start off um, being told that as girls we should, be, uh, uh, we should be pretty and we should be quiet and we should be well-behaved. Um, and then we should go to, when we go to school that we should be, do really well in all of our subjects uh, while also maintaining a, you know, a size 8 or whatever um, and, and be re- BFFs have loads of BFFs oh loads I really want to kill the whole BFF yeah. thing I hate it socialise um, loads uh, we socialise loads yeah. get loads of straight A's and then we all go to work and somehow we're often we're like we're paid, paid less by them than the men and we're like okay so try try harder so Okay, so then we start doing all the like the training on like how to how to be the best we can be, mm. uh, living how, my best life. I hate that life, one. Yes. And how and then we, like if you didn't get a pay rise, it's because you didn't ask right. Mm. So then you do the training on how to ask properly, and then you do the training on on resilience training to bear up better under the strain of being female in the workplace. And then you're like feeling a bit stressed about being you know not good enough as a female in the workplace. And so then you take up whatever it is that you're being told will make you better and you and so we're all doing baking and we're all doing yoga and we're all like and we're running um we're taking up macrame yeah uh you know we're looking at uh uh, uh, uh how, and we're told like are you having good sex so yeah, then you're like yeah. are you trying to have really good sex as well as baking yeah. and running i'm steaming my vagina with yeah, kombucha yeah and getting your promotion and your pay yeah. and and we end up with like generations of knackered women. Yeah, and exhausted. That, and that, so, what I want to say to you, ladies, is that your liberation is in each other. Yes. <laughs> oh, I'm gonna clip that rant and have it on my phone at all times. Wow. <laughs> Please, can you give a huge round of applause to Sophie Walker? 
Oh, I don't know about you, but I feel pumped, energized, vavavoomed. I mean, this is what I feel like every time I'm in Sophie's presence. Just sort of invigorated and ready for action and like all of my passions are unearthed once again and and I just know that I need to, you know, channel that energy and and do more good and be part of a community. I feel just massively inspired yet again by listening to the wonderful Sophie. What a way to start the week. Sophie Walker, thank you. Now, if you liked it too, please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. It really helps people find the show and pushes it up the charts. And do hit subscribe to get next week's episode direct to your phone as soon as it drops. You'll be glad you did, as it means you'll get to hear from author Catherine Gray. You learn to have a drink when you go to a party. That's what you do to calm down. Or you preload before the party. Yeah. That's what I used to do. Yeah, same. Um... So you just don't really go into social situations where there's lots of people where you're not a little bit buzzed. So you, you don't know how to do it, I think. Mm. And it becomes a crutch. Get that wherever you get your podcasts. We're on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Entail. I mean, literally everywhere. Thanks again to the brilliant Sophie, to the wonderful audience at the Happy Place Festival, the producers Matt Hill, Thomas Griffin and Sarah Miles at Rethink Audio, and to you, Gorgeous lot for listening. Honestly, really means a lot. Thank you so much. See you next week. When we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com/style for free shipping and 365-day returns.